Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein, A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, then this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E N C E L A D U S Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. Hello there. With your host, Pete. <laughs> and Greg. And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. Welcome back, Lord Tyrannus. Thank you, my master. But what happened back there, well, I'm really not sure. What do you mean you're not sure? Well, Yoda showed up with the clones, and they fought the robots. And I'm not sure who won. Excellent. I must now change my pantaloons. It appears I have shat myself. We are back into another world of Star Wars. What? We, I thought we weren't doing this anymore. I thought we made a pinky swear and a blood pact to never enter the Star Wars universe again. And we're getting dragged back in by J.J. Abrams and Co. Yes, yes, yes. The Star Unforeseenness Wars. comes back. <laughs> About a year ago at this time, there was an announcement that, hey, Disney's bought Lucasfilm. W what? <laughs> and then it was, Disney bought Lucasfilm, and they're going to make a new Star Wars movie. W what? Oh, eh. not just one. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to make a lot of new Star Wars movies. <laughs> and not just a lot. They're going to make episodes 7, 8, and 9. And then it was, who's going to direct? And then it was, how about J.J. Abrams? And then it was... J.J. Abrams doesn't want to do it. And then who else do we got? I don't know. Why don't we go to J.J. Abrams? <laughs> and J.J. Abrams finally said, like in Marge Simpson tone, fine. <laughs> so we have ourselves this past week the, the grand unveiling of the cast list of Star Wars Episode Seven and a black and white photograph from London of the table read where the old gang's back with a new gang and we figure hey we could uh look into the future with justice league let's look into the future with star wars episode seven and say holy crap that was awful here's what they should have done even though <laughs> nothing's happened yet <laughs> well at least we're dooming it before it's ever <laughs> off the ground no <laughs> no it's there's some positive vibes, and I really hope that they nail it, and I think they got the right guy who could potentially nail it. You might have some disagreements with that. So what do you got, Charlie? What are your thoughts here as we are now looking forward to production stills and tweets from the set as we're still almost still two years away from a new Star Wars movie? All right. Well, first of all, I want to preface this by saying I don't bear this project any ill will, despite anything I might bring up on the concern side or despite the fact that we totally ripped apart the prequels. Um, honestly, there isn't enough information out there one way or another for anybody to be like, oh, my God, this will be the worst thing ever. Or should anyone be saying that at this point? So just establishing the ground rules. We're fine with the fact that they're, you know, doing seven, eight and nine. That's not a problem. We do want to kind of get into some of the 
possible avenues they could go. Um, obviously talk about, and we already did this at length, but talk about a few more things that we want to make sure don't get woven in or that we might be concerned about. And uh, even reach into the extended universe a little bit here and uh, see if there's anything that we want to see kind of brought in or might be excited to see if they brought it in. So this is a totally new, you know, absent some of the mainstays, this is a totally new kind of cast of characters in here, a totally new product and production. I'm sure Lucas will still be uh, in the shadows, uh, possibly the Phantom Menace. We don't know yet. Um, but, oh, yeah, no, I mean... You're, 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 you're doing it wrong. No, <laughs> no, no, you need at least four more Jawas in the background there. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. It's funny uh, if you put Jawas in. Uh, you know what, hey, JJ, you know what this scene needs? Jar Jar. JJ stands for Jar Jar. <laughs> Kids love comedy. I made some kids' films. Oh, my. Here's here's what we've been through, and I think what's causing some negative reflection on this uh, announcement. Let's use this analogy. Let's say that uh, your, your, your friendly uncle, who, uh, who gave you lots and lots of joy as a child, comes to you when you're, you're much older and says, Hey, remember when you were a kid? And you'd hop on the front of the of my ten speed, and I'd ride you around, and you were sailing in the wind. Yeah, that was great. Can we, let's do that again, even though you're older. You're like, uh, sure, that was fun. Let's relive our childhood. And episode one is you sitting on the hand, you as an adult <laughs> sitting on the handlebars of your uncle's bike as he drives you around. But he doesn't. He fails to mention that. Oh, you're gonna get. Uh, Whacked by bugs and severe sunburn. You're like, oh, oh damn uh, it. By the way, I got a few potholes on this road. I want to make sure it we hit. <laughs> oh, damn it. And then three years go by, and your uncle's like, hey, no, no, no. I, I, let's try that again, all right? This time, why don't you sit in front of me, but I don't have another seat, so you're just going to have to kind of straddle the metal bar of the 10-speed. <laughs> and then he goes along, and oh, and then suddenly it's a thunderstorm, and it's lightning, and it's rain. And you're like, but uh, this was supposed to be fun. And three years go by again, and your uncle's like, you know, we've got to finish that journey, so you might as well hop on the 10-speed because it's the only way I'm going to get you home, and it's the only way I'm going to leave you alone. But this time, you have to hang off of a chain off the back as we drive down a gravel road (laughs) just to get the trip over with. And so by that time, you're bruised, battered, sunburnt. Um, your crotch hurts, and you have a bunch of gravel and road burns from uh, being dragged along through the prequels. So now, all of a sudden, they're going to come back and say, well, your uncle is no longer involved. We're now a fun factory, and we're going to... You want to take a 10-speed ride again? Well, we're going to come to that now with a little bit of a trepidation of, uh... I don't know if I'm too excited to hop on that 10-speed again, Bob, but uh, we'll... It was fun at one point. But the last time I remember going on this ride, really, really hurt. And that's where we're coming at with Episode 7. <laughs> or, or was it just those updated Blu-ray DVDs and the new additions you put into that that really hurt more? <laughs> where where did the damage stop? I don't know. That, that was kind of like the preemptive. Your uncle took some old photographs of your childhood <laughs> dry, riding on the bike and then digitally inserted like just random stuff that you're like, I don't remember that being there when I was a kid. <laughs> some random trees and stuff along just to make it look like a better ride. So we're here. It's episode, We're here. It's episode seven. We got the old crew back. Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, uh, Peter Mayhew somehow going to be Chewbacca. I'm assuming he's only going to be in the the sitting scenes since uh, the man can barely stand anymore. Mm. And, and then uh, C-3PO and for some reason Kenny Baker is coming back as R2-D2. The guy's like 115 <laughs> years old and they're going to stick him in a tin can again for some reason. Frank Oz minus the Yoda puppet will walk through the background of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Just walk in the back and go, hey, everybody, how you doing? Uh, but uh, David Prowse will go tap dancing through for no good reason. Oh, man. So here we are. We got uh, we got another Star Wars. And I'm going to, okay, I'm going to start with a question. And uh, only because this is one of the things that, uh, kind of current event stuff. Um, 
as of this past weekend, the second Amazing Spider-Man sequel came out. Where's he going with this? Um, and one of the criticisms when the first film in that new series was thrown out was too soon. Now, I know, obviously, we've got aging actors and a lot of our former leads and everything like that, but coming on the heels of uh, 2005 and then some of the supplementary stuff that came out after, is it too soon to go back into this universe? Uh, I'm going to, well, I'll say no. And I'll say no for this reason. The Spider-Man reason was that was 2007 to 2012. Mm-hmm. This is 2005 to 2015. So there's a 10-year difference, and they're not retreading the same story. That would be the other point. Is Spider-Man is just retreading the same story, taking it down a different path with different actors. This is a continuation of the story. So I don't think so. And, oh God, I, I just so hope that they can bring us back. But we are so scarred from the prequels that I, I, I mean, we'll start getting into the details. I fear that partial motivation for the writing of this story is going to be a tremendous overreach <laughs> to get away from the stain of the prequels that it's actually going to maybe negatively affect what they could or should be doing with this story, whatever well, the story o- is. Overreach in what sense do you think? I mean, what do you think might uh, be the knee-jerk here? Obviously, no Jar Jar, hopefully. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm hoping it's a Batman and Robin versus Batman Begins kind of a reaction where Batman Begins seemed like it was, okay, this is no comedy at all. And this is not Batman and Robin, and it was successful. I'm hoping that they will just go that far and say, all right, the prequels were not successful. Why weren't they? Well, we already covered that extensively. (laughs) Yes. But they were just not successful, and they were not well-liked, and there were a myriad of reasons. So I'm just hoping that they will go in and say, all right, these are going to not be goofy slugfests with no character and wooden acting and all CG. So what I'm hoping that J.J. can pull off that is different than the prequels is that he can start with something simple like use a lot of practical sets instead of a lot of blue screen nothingness. Let the actors work off of something that's physically there instead of uh, we're just trying to advance digital technology, and maybe we'll tell a story in it. But this is mainly just to show off our digital technology. I'm, I've got a business to run, people. Look at this. <laughs> I've got Digital Tucker in his dream floating in the asteroid field. Check it out. And I, I'm really hoping that he does not fall into the trap of looking at the prequels and saying, what did people... I'm hoping that there's no focus group to uh to the this making where they say what what was successful in the prequels well people love those little nods to the originals oh good well let's do that to the 50th degree let's i don't not. think you're gonna be able to get away from that maybe if they could tone it down a bit though yeah you don't want to have oh my god remember when you saw those sand people stand there for four seconds remember that we like that Wait for Han Solo to say, I got a bad feeling about this. Uh, yeah, if they can do it organically, beautiful. But if it's just, <laughs> you know what we need to have Han say here, he, he needs to say, I know, and then die or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his actual deathbed needs to be, I've always loved you, Han. I know. <laughs> and then he dies. Let's have that not happen. Mm. And that'd be fine. Well, I'll tell you what I'm rooting for, and I think was um, correctly pointed out from various sources as being largely absent, um, especially in the first two movies, a clear protagonist that we can ground ourselves with early on in Episode 7. That would be nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And a clear antagonist. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we we had that very nicely established going all the way back to episode four. And then somehow when we got to episode one, it was just kind of like, well, 
here's some people and here's some names you're familiar with and they're running around and they're doing some stuff and uh oh it's going to lead to new stuff just 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 watch but okay um but what's the journey what am i following who am i following why what are the stakes why should i care all right well what is the general story that that we think they're going to cover we we've got the three originals and we got a whole slew of new people that I've heard of a few I mean I've heard of Adam Driver only in name. I know he's on the show Girls on HBO. I know the uh, John Boyega was in Attack the Block. I saw that. Was not really impressed with that movie like a lot of people were. So I can't really say one way or the other how good of an actor he is. And uh, we know Max von Sydow. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's one name I knew off the list. And then it's uh, Andy Circus. We know him as Gollum and King Kong and Planet of the Apes dude. Motion. Oh, no, is he going to be evil Yoda? Oh, I certainly hope so. Comes back. <laughs> but it's a new batch and an old batch. And it seems like Michael Arndt was fired from the screenwriting because he didn't include the old batch enough. So they brought in Lawrence Kasdan to work with J.J. Abrams on a new screenplay. And beefing up the old people means means what? So it's beyond a cameo now for for the three originals. But we can't, we can't possibly imagine that Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill are all going to be the mainstays of episodes 7, 8, and 9. And I don't think I don't think Disney would go that way, quite honestly. I mean, they're looking to kind of rejuvenate the franchise, you know, hook. I think one of the keys with Star Wars success is always being able to um, kind of hook or give something to a new generation and everything like that and get them to connect with the existing properties and everything. So um, as far as how much they'll get woven in, uh, it's kind of difficult to say, especially if we're looking at the you know kind of the long game so to speak and where they might get plugged in with two other films to come as they're already planning but um i mean the the information is so scant we're what 20 25 years after the events of return of the jedi right well 1983 so we're 31 years later well in in our time i'm talking about the timeline that they're getting into for the film no they're, I think they're I, talking is about that what i heard real, they're talking about doing real time which means 30 years oh okay that's why they got rid of the whole expanded universe and said no this is the films now are the canon and then whatever these new uh cartoons like i think it's star wars rebels cartoon that's coming out that that's the new canon is six movies that rebels cartoon and now the new movies Mm -hmm. and they have said all the other expanded universe stuff you had it you read it great we're not using it so whether or not that means they can pull from that stuff liberally or whether they are just completely saying "Ah, we didn't like any of it we're creating our own stuff who knows but I just I wonder whether or not this is going to be a film with so-called four tracks running at the same time. I mean, you think of Empire, and you've got basically Han and Leia's story, you got Luke and Yoda's story, and you got Vader's story running all concurrently. Mm-hmm. Are they going to now try to do Han and Leia's story, a Luke story, a new people's story? And a new villain story all running concurrently. And is that too much? Dipping into what you just brought up, the extended universe and everything, I can tell you, in, and I'm not a you know diehard, uh, know-everything expert, but I think I have read enough in general to kind of get be able to answer that with a, they've done it in the books. 
they've introduced new they've introduced new villains they've had a han and leia storyline they've had a luke storyline they've had luke and leia's kid storyline um and kind of the big grander picture of what's going on with you know the force and the galaxy and da 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 they have done it now whether or not you would be able to translate that over to film i i think that's another matter um but this does bring up a point that i wanted to kind of get into discussing you had kind of this hyper reality so to speak with the uh focus increasingly as you went through the original um series and then the prequels obviously on Darth Vader and the Skywalker family the Skywalker family the Skywalker family how much should they be how much should these new films be centered on them uh, have we kind of played them out are I think we looking need- to look you know at the larger universe and get into some new characters without constantly having to go back to kind of the familial familial drama i mean what what would be satisfying at this point honestly i think they it seems counterintuitive but i think they need to embrace it because all of the original movies were about this these family ties I mean, everybody was related. It was a small-knit group that we saw running around, and there were a few extraneous people, but it was all tied together. So it would almost be defying the stories that have been told through six movies so far to suddenly say, ah, the Solo and Skywalker, that screw them, it's done. So let's just introduce some brand-new people. Everybody's extremely new and completely unrelated. They just happen to know these core people. And by the end of episode seven, screw these core people. I, I don't. This the movies have built up too much goodwill already with having it centered around the Skywalker family and the inclusion of that. So I think I'm almost willing to put money on it that the the one girl that was cast is most likely the daughter of Han and Leia. Mm-hmm. And whether or not there's another kid involved, kind of like the expanded universe, I think they had like twins and another had, kid or something. Yeah, they had three. So that would be to pull from another JJ. It'd be highly illogical for them to do to uh, not make it like that. And then you bring in your new people surrounding your your way in, and your way in has got to be either a new Jedi that Luke is training or uh, the the solo daughter and whether she's leading a new rebellion or something or another. But I, And it's almost like I think the story should be, since it's 30 years later, why, why not make it like a, a revival of Nazism or something where the, these people who've been hiding out saw the fall of the Sith and thought, well, they did it stupidly, so we're going to do it better. And so that could be the new bad guys coming up. And then it's up to the old ex-head of the Republic, Leia, Princess Leia, and her husband Han Solo, who was a general. And Luke has to be brought out of retirement to start training some young ones in the ancient lost art of being a Jedi Knight, but doing it better this time, not being useless and... You, you can't you can't do that. You, you're a monk. Nah, screw that. I, I learned better. We will go find the identity of your mysterious attacker. Go back to Naboo and find this mysterious attacker. <laughs> and like Plinkett says, bring one or two or oh. three or four or maybe five or seven Jedi along with you. <laughs> And from the rumors I've been hearing, I mean, I think this is supposed to focus, at least initially, largely on Luke kind of reestablishing the Jedi Order and all of that and what that means. Um, I also think, given the way that you've got kind of circles, so to speak, with the storytelling and everything in the previous two trilogies, there's, at least from my perspective, from my point of view, uh, there's only one direction this can go. You had the fall of the Republic and the establishment of the Sith. Then you had the uh, hero's journey ending with the fall of the Sith and the Jedi being reborn. I think the only way you can do this now is to kind of go through events, have the Sith and Jedi kind of 
you know, growing in tandem, so to speak, and having the prophecy of the Force fully fulfilled and have balance come between the two by the end of the three films. Good and evil have to coexist somehow. Here's a good question for you. Do you think that they're going to steal a page from the Heir to the Empire series, the Timothy Zahn book series, and is Ben Kenobi still going to be around advising Luke at the beginning of this movie, or has he finally stopped being a creepy blue guy like Ewan McGregor once called him? <laughs> um, I don't know. That could cut either way. If they do it, I think they need to keep it real brief, have at most a scene, and then, yeah, close the chapter on that one. I, I don't think you need to keep going back to that well. Yeah, I just I, I wonder if it would be interesting if they get you and McGregor to do a cameo as a as a as a, you know Luke kind of pulling him out of his uh, restful slumber in heaven. What, what, what do you What do you want? What again? <laughs> I thought I was off the hook with you. Oh, God, uh, we blew up another Death Star. You don't remember that? <laughs> get a life. Which means get your own life, Luke. I'm you, done. You threw, you threw the emperor down a well. He <laughs> blew up uh, blue stuff everywhere. You redeemed your father. What What's left, man? Luke, I'm hanging out up here in the clouds with Baru, so you can just <laughs> go suck it with your human problems. And I'm talking about a young Baru. That <laughs> <laughs> old bug-eyed Baru. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of blue milk to go around. Oh! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there could be an interesting cameo there, but I think more along the lines, one or two of these guys are going to bite it in Episode 7. I think Harrison Ford wants out of this so badly that I think Han Solo is gone. He's going to be Janet Lee and Psycho in this thing. <laughs> 25 minutes in, Han Solo is gone. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. Well, and uh, uh, that might not be, I, I hate to say it, uh, because I have over the years enjoyed many of Harrison Ford's performances and um, the characters he's created and everything, but there's just been so many movies um, over the last decade where he's just angry, and we talked about that in the Indiana Jones retrospective and yeah throughout points in his career he's kind of bad mouth you know the idea of han solo and the character and oh god i could have been stuck playing this guy and again i get the fact hey you got other things that you're interested in great um but yeah i'm actually kind of surprised he's even coming back yeah you, you have to wonder what kind of pictures with farm animals they've got over him <laughs> because why he would come back after all this time unless he just has a really good agent and publicist who told him look your legacy and image will be forever indelibly etched as the greatest guy ever if you do this and rectify your indiana jones crystal skull problem and it'd be it but i really think he's gone and i also think that this is going to be one of those George Lucasisms. Everything's like poetry. It's cyclical. It all comes around again. I think end of episode seven, Luke sacrifices himself and becomes the Force Ghost Kenobi of episodes eight and nine. Well, that would be an interesting way to kind of keep him in the picture, but um, not have to have him kind of carry the story. So. I, yeah, it'd be fitting. Just very cyclical. I, uh, all these things are nothing but endless loops, and I see that as the easy close to that loop. It is he's he's the new Kenobi, so why not follow the exact same path as good old Ben? Learn from <laughs> Ben that the kids have to get out somewhere, and he's going to save them by sacrificing himself in a in a lightsaber battle with Max von Side, digital Max von Side. <laughs> I was going to say, how old is Max von Side He's fairly old. I heard a rumor that he was just doing a voice. So okay. whether or not that's true, I, who knows? I mean, Andy Circus could be in there for uh, motion capture, and Max von Sydow could be there for voice, and 
Peter Mayhew could be there for his charming personality, and <laughs> Harrison Ford could be there just to look grumpy, and, <laughs> and it's going to be a grand old time in London. <laughs> in London. Go back to London. <laughs> you have a mustache. I know. <laughs> so what... Uh, what are what are your hopes and dreams here? I don't think we have to dwell too long on this because we know it's coming. And honestly, without having a sh- a anything, I mean, our our Justice League was easier because we at least had something to go off of in Man of Steel, as an example. This all we have to go off of, and there was a good po- a podcast I listened to this morning made a very good reference and said. The best Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi was made in 2009 by J.J. Abrams, and it was called Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> because, like we mentioned in the past, I was never a Trekkie. You were. So my one of my favorite movies of the last decade would be J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek reboot. And I've seen one or two of the old Star Treks, and wow, I'm so glad I started with J.J. because <laughs> the energy difference between the old Trek and the J.J. Trek is, yeah, J.J.'s Trek is Star Wars, and the original Trek is Trek, and they just don't mix. Well, and you've also, I think, taken into account looking for a little bit different demographic. Um, it's kind of more modern pacing and tone with the characters and the storytelling and all of that with uh, Abrams. And um, I, I'm going to put your other question to me on hold here about what I would want out of what's coming and everything. And let's let's delve into our director for a little bit here since he's front and center. Um, again, I... I was all on board with the 2009 uh, effort that he put in. I liked it. Um, I I was flabbergasted that they were able to actually credibly launch a prequel that wasn't hamstrung by what had come before. They did it in a clever way where it's like, hey, we can take anything that we want. We can cherry pick or go in a totally different direction with this thing. And they set all that up beautifully. They were free if they wanted to go in a completely new direction. And then they squandered it (laughs) with the second one. They squandered it so badly. Um, And honestly, that was one of the reasons I just hated that movie. (laughs) Was all it was doing was repackaging stuff I've already seen to the point where it was absurdist parody. Um, and it's I've seen enough of JJ's work that he's he's smarter than that, quite honestly. And I couldn't believe that he was letting something like this happen. And it's just like, what did this just get away from you? Were you having a bad month? What what happened here that this seemed like it was a good idea? Because you did everything so right in the last film, and it's all just so wrong here. Um, and I will say that it has given me serious pause for what we might get with this reboot with Star Wars. I uh, think I think JJ is an outstanding original idea guy. And what I mean by that is he did the, he shot and created the pilot for Alias. But by the end of season 1 of Alias, he was off of that essentially. And he would, you know, sprinkle in here or there, but the other guys would take over and show run. He then created and shot the pilot for Lost and started that top spinning. And by about episode three of Lost, he went to Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse and said, it's your baby, you run it. And so when Lost was in its heyday, J.J. was nowhere to be found. Why? Because then he went off to direct Mission Impossible 3 which I will stand by as of the four Mission Impossible movies so far, the best one, or at least my favorite one. Because Yeah, it, and I'm, that's the one that's on the top of my list with four right behind it. Because it's essentially, well, I mean, it's a two-hour episode of Alias, mm. but it, it actually makes Tom Cruise's character in those movies an actual character. Character, Instead yes. of just a random figurehead with a name and doesn't mean anything. And then he produced the fourth Mission Impossible, but that was Brad Bird, and that was pretty freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. 
But he didn't do it because why? He went to Star Trek and he did Star Trek and <laughs> he did that awesomely. And then he created Fringe and did the very beginning parts of Fringe and that worked out really well. But he left that midway through the first season so that he could go and do Super 8, his attempt at doing a Spielberg movie, which he worked with, and do an Amblin movie from the early 80s type thing. And it was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't a home run. But it was watchable, and it was decent. And that is where we hit the brick wall with J.J. Abrams. Everything there was creative and great and energized and fun. And he went back and did another Star Trek. So maybe the point of this rambling is that J.J. Abrams needs to do Star Wars Episode Seven, and then hand off the reins to other directors and just be given an executive producer credit for the rest of the series. And if that's the way it needs to go, I'm fine with that. Because if he's going to redo Star Trek into Star Wars into Darkness, and <laughs> no. Star, Wars, Star Wars Episode Eight is going to end up being an exact replica of The Empire Strikes Back, then uh, I think we can avoid it. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> if Episode Eight begins with a battle in a snow planet, then we are <laughs> in for trouble. <laughs> And if Lando shows up in his blue half cape to save the day, we are in serious trouble. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm back. Because this deal's getting better all the time. I took more of Han's clothes. You like them? <laughs> <laughs> and I guess now that uh, he's passed away, Leia's available. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Midge. <laughs> Lando is the most Sislak of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> um, but th that would be my theory behind JJ. Is I love, love, love the majority of the stuff that guy has done. Alias seasons one and two, best, some of the best television ever. Uh, Lost, for all the words about that show, was just fantastic. But Again, he spun off the idea. He didn't flesh it out. So, yeah, if he can work with Lawrence Kasdan to create a great template to restart off this Star Wars universe and then hand off the reins to some more up-and-comers or whatever it is and do kind of what they did with the middle of the Harry Potter series or what Marvel is doing, another Disney property that they could learn from, which is what we talked about with Justice League. Not one guy's fingerprints over the whole thing, but a bunch of different artists brought in for the individual story, perfect for the individual story that needs to be told at that moment. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's a completely legitimate and practical approach. But again, I'm not the one holding the purse strings for the production. So. Well, why not? I don't know. It's because you haven't tried. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me that no parking in the white zone crap again. You know what this is about. <laughs> you want me to talk about how many Star Wars films or too many Star Wars films, I think, is what you mean by that. Sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, and on that note, yeah, there was an, yet another reiteration today from the head of Disney that, yep, there's going to be, what, what would you call them, filler movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so not only is it going to be Episode 7 in 2015, Episode 8 in 2017, uh, well, Disney cannot let that go, so we're going to have standalone movies in 2016 and 2018 about such luminaries as Boba Fett and young Han Solo and other ideas that sound awful. And here's the Yoda movie. <laughs> yes. What did we talk about? I think again, referencing back to Justice League, <laughs> you don't go with that impulse of taking the side character everyone likes and expanding him to a whole show. It doesn't work. <laughs> it does not work. Well, here is a background character in the um, speeder race from the Phantom Menace <laughs> in the crowd. We're going to now create a television series around this person. You know what would really, really just be Disney flipping off everyone? <laughs> it's just saying, yep, our first spinoff movie is the story of Sebulba on, <laughs> on Tatooine. You know you're going to pay your money to see it. 
don't deny it. Put down the poodoo, people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know people will go see it. That's what they know. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, I think this is that slippery slope that you always get into with franchises and something that comes up frequently enough with any of the superhero properties that are out there right now is just audience exhaustion with it. Um, people just start tuning out. Um, you start getting kind of middling stories and products and all that kind of stuff. And by the end of it, everybody's just kind of shrugging their shoulders and going, well, what else is out there? Anything? Yeah, that's a real problem with the modern media age is burnout on this stuff. And they got to walk a fine line between presenting too much and too little but I think it would be a very, very, how do I put this? I guess it would be a very interesting social experiment in our modern age of, I think Patton Oswalt put it the best when he said, we live in such a world now where I get too bored to watch a complete 10-second clip on YouTube that by the third second, if I'm bored, I stop it. I can't even go the full 10 seconds. So it would be, almost be interesting for them to say, we're going to do episode 7 in 2015, and we're going to do this the old model. You're not going to get episode 8 until 2018, and we're not doing anything else. So you have three years to do nothing but speculate. Now, of course, that's not the money way to do it, and there's no way in hell Disney would ever do that. <laughs> but... That would be a very interesting way to go about this, to really just stoke it up so much. And if they could nail Episode 8 after maybe a good, let's assume Episode 7 was good and they had three years and nothing else, and if Episode 8 was as good as Empire, then, I mean, they would own the world. Yeah, and I hate to sound like a broken record on the film to TV, TV to film thing, but um, I think they would have. I mean, Disney owns ABC. Disney has its own channel. They own God knows what else in the broadcasting universe. Take advantage of that fact. You've got all these tangential characters that you want to get into, their stories and world building and everything. Okay, great, fine. Do it on the small screen. Yeah, you don't need to do it in the theater. <laughs> and Marvel's proven that now with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's really kicking into high gear, so use your, your networks, people. I mean... It, you own a media empire? Use it! <laughs> cinema and television lines are boring ever faster and at an ever-increasing rate. Use it! You own ABC. Make a Boba Fett TV ser miniseries, a 13-episode arc that runs between... The season of, like, 2016 runs from June 2016 to December of 2016, so that by the time the summer of 2017 comes around, there's another Star Wars, which you can lead up to or some, anything. Do a show uh, like that. Sure. And I don't want to oversell it, because, again, it does have some issues, but uh, the Clone Wars um, cartoon series that uh, ran for a number of years and then turned back up um, on Netflix, and Netflix did a sixth season for it and everything here. I mean, they've got the freedom to kind of go where they want with the storytelling. They've introduced new characters. They've gotten into the storylines of other characters that were already established, and overall, it works fine. Absolutely. So, just do that. Just, it's <laughs> it's good. We, we don't need a Boba Fett movie. I... Unless it's good. <laughs> I guess that's the only thing is unless they have some really just super kick-ass idea, you can leave it alone, folks. But but then again, Disney's got the, the prime example under their head. Yeah, Marvel's got a TV show, but also Marvel is doing two movies a year, potentially increasing to three, and the real money is in the movies. So I can understand the impulse of why they're doing it. But it's just so thin. It's so thin to have those characters that they're mysterious and they're side note, and that's why they're loved, because the people get to fill in the gaps with what they don't know about Boba Fett. And that's what makes him interesting and cool, and you can 
create a whole backstory for them or do whatever you want and conjecture and you see him on screen for approximately what three minutes of screen time <laughs> and he's still being talked about 30 years later mm-hmm. and now we're going to have a two-hour movie about boba fett doing something crazy and by minute 12 boba fett walking around going i don't know he's worth a lot to me it's just this, gonna get real old this was the time i climbed out of the sarlacc pit this was the other time I climbed out of the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> I just, I don't know. And I don't know enough about the expanded universe novels that they've had about Boba Fett to see what they've done. But my my, for, my gut instinct on stuff like that, and you can maybe, maybe flesh something out with a young Han Solo. But whether it's going to be interesting, I don't, I don't know, man. That, that's going to be... Well, again, they have tried to do this in novel form. They had a um, three-book arc back in the day that was uh, kind of leading up to um, some of the introductory stuff there from episode four and everything. And I I don't remember a whole lot about the series and everything, but they have tried to do this. Yeah, but since they're ditching all those books, and there were so many of those books. There were a lot of books. (laughs) I mean, we'd have to be the ultimate research podcast here to go through this stuff, but we're not about research. We're about predicting the future and then saying they should have done it differently. All right. Well, I got another question for you then on that note, and we've kind of touched upon this a little bit. What is there that's left to explore? And when I ask this question, I'm primarily focusing on the, you know, three planned out, uh, next trilogy movies and everything like that. But, and this goes back to the question you asked me before, what do I want out of it? But I mean, honestly, what, what is it that we really want to see have happen in this? I mean, we're in the, we're coming out of arguably the era of kind of the dark superhero movie and everything like that. Um, do we want star Wars to go dark? Do we want it to keep kind of the, uh, light-hearted elements and have some kind of, you know, more dramatic elements mixed in? I mean, what are we looking for? We talked about the updating of Star Trek and everything like that as far as some of the tone and the way the characters are presented and everything like that. What do we need, I guess, as an audience going back into this galaxy? Here's what I think. I think it can be a very self-contained story based on the other six movies alone. I think there is enough there to do three more movies and say, all right, that is completely done. Now we are doing expanded universe till the end of time. But as far as the actual Skywalker branch of the Star Wars story, I think what you've got left is that, fine, Emperor Palpatine was killed in Return of the Jedi. That's great. And the the uh, the Death Star was destroyed again. But the whole of the entire Galactic Empire was not self-contained within a por- partially built Death Star. So kind of like what the Timothy Zahn book series did, the Heir to the Empire series did, it stated there are, were ships everywhere. And you've got a lot of admirals out there and and other lieutenants who maybe wanted to gain power that are still out there. So does that mean that as soon as the end of Return of the Jedi hit, yay, they they toss... I mean, if we look at the special edition, yay, they carried around some stormtroopers on Coruscant. Well, great. But what about the thousands of other star systems that have Imperial occupation? So maybe we're to- the beginning of Episode 7 is a re- reminiscence about how long it took to clean out all of the, the, the hidden parts of the Empire that were still scattered all across the galaxy. But our big bad can be someone that we just didn't get to. It's somebody we missed. Uh-oh. And they can just cover a three-movie arc of... One last attempt of this Avil to try and gain control and gain power 
and they do temporarily in episode eight, but by episode nine, this new batch that Luke had to teach comes through and saves the day, and maybe Leia can be the only one left alive as she looks upon the ghost of Luke and the the uh, the rebellion has finally created a a truly free republic as they found a way to incorporate the Sith into the Jedi and they just stood there and said wait 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 why do you want to fight me why are you so bad what are you angry about and then they just need to send the Sith, Sith to therapy and it all was solved you guys just need a big hug <laughs> the end <laughs> fuck up little campers <laughs> I I was left when I was a child, and all, I only learned how to be a Sith because it was the only way in life. There we go. Episode episode nine: True Confessions of a Sith. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just turns into a big reality TV show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got uh, okay again, basing some of this off of some of the directions that we've already seen them go, and again. I know they're junking, they say, the extended universe, but possibilities that have been established. Um, Game or not game for uh, Luke turns to the dark side for a while and has to be redeemed. I never thought about it because my brain goes towards what they're most likely going to do. Yeah. And what... In my mind, what they're most likely going to do is follow that George Lucas pattern of the poetry cyclical thing. So Luke is going to be the 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 new Kenobi, and I just I that's the only way I can think it's going to go. I mean, it would be interesting if Luke turned bad. I think it would be more interesting if if we're putting money on the fact that one of these is the next generation of Skywalker, whether it's through Leia or whether it's through Luke. I think it'd be interesting for them to be seduced to the dark side out from underneath Luke's nose. Um, and, and it's a different form of seduction to the dark side. It's the new version of the Sith uh, showing a hothead teenager power or whatever. And Luke is, and we see Luke failing them. And And what this could really be is a redemption for the horrible story we got between obi-wan and anakin in the prequels that didn't work and didn't <laughs> didn't show a real relationship that we talked about enough before mm-hmm. so this could be a redemption of sorts for that in that we see luke fail as a mentor and then luke and they has have to done that himself. yeah and they have done that in the books as well I'm, both with the uh, family and non-family member characters this is getting to be like the episode of South Park where it's the Simpsons did it. The Simpsons did it. Well, I'm just I'm just saying <laughs> it's been on for 20 years. Of course they did it. Of course they did it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm just saying these are directions they could go, and I'm not saying that one's better than the other. I'm not even saying they'll go that way, but um, just again from a narrative standpoint and everything, what what do we think might be kind of interesting to see them do? Maybe they'll mix and match. Maybe they won't do any of this stuff, um, but. It's just kind of, uh, I mean, I think what you were saying about the mopping up operation, as as it's put, um, for an empire that expanded across the entire galaxy and ruled for, what, like a 25-year period or whatever, within the context of the stories. Yeah, I mean, taking 30 years to start, you know, cleaning all of that out effectively and reestablishing the Jedi Order and everything like that, I think. Yeah, that's completely practical, and yeah, the galaxy is a big place. It's pretty easy to miss certain things. Uh, Something else that I think they kind of got in a rut in in the Expanded Universe stuff for a while was they kept finding more hidden super weapons. Do we need another Death Star? (laughs) Well, we even did that on our own version of the Star Wars prequels when we had the uh, super cloning facility. That's true. So, yeah, you could do that. I I think it would be interesting also if what... I'm trying to... I lost my train of thought completely. (laughs) Good. I'm just sitting here now floundering in the wind. 
as well, the uh, you got a you got there. a pause button. <laughs> well, screw that. We're just we're live radio here. So All right, I'm gonna, fine. I'm gonna forget what I was, what my train of thought was, and uh, was it about pies? I, I a little bit. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was something to do with Jedi or something or another. I uh, brought up super weapons. Does that ring a bell? Oh no, I know where it was. So what we're dealing with is the youth generation coming up. What if we're dealing with, and I don't even know the reasons why, but you could figure out something, I guess. What if the the whole mysticism and teachings of being a Jedi Knight died with Yoda and that Luke can do these things, but he's not necessarily hopped up on wanting to create a whole new order of Jedi for some mm-hmm. reason. And then what if the next generation of Skywalker family starts to realize that he's got powers or something like that, or she's got powers and she's a rambunctious teenager and the rambunctious teenager then suddenly, you know, falls to the dark side. If for no other reason that we didn't get Anakin's true nature in the prequels as to why he went to the dark side. But what if, whiny teenager prepubescent doesn't know any better except they got these cool awesome powers so they fall to the dark side situation um and again i think that's perfectly valid they have kind of done aspects of that in the books as well but again we're not linking or tied down with the book stuff so you could certainly go that direction with it and i think another thing that was big in Lucas's mind when he wrote the original Star Wars that I think could come back into play is he was very much about uh, anthropology and sociology so a lot of it, the original trilogy was based around the model of Nazi Germany mm-hmm. and taking them down well what happened 30 years after Nazi Germany was taken down maybe the rebellion or became the galact or became the uh the uh not the empire but the republic maybe this new republic is going to follow the mid 70s to early 80s downfall beginnings of what people said was starting to downfall of america to, you know the republic trying to do too much overreach after oh my gosh we're going into dark night territory you either <laughs> die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain sure why not yeah, but you know what? I, I have a feeling that there's some sort of sociological thing going to come into play. So, well, if, and it w- I think it would be good if they can ground themselves in something like that because you did have those uh, very strong cultural touchstones beyond just the hero's journey, but elements in the character design and the design of the uh, rebels and the empire and everything like that that could resonate with audiences there of the. 70s so yeah why not just say uh the original star wars trilogy was nazi germany and world war ii well this is end of vietnam and the american empire beginning to uh crest and start its downfall which people were saying for the last 35 40 years it's pretty much been an american downfall (laughs) as far as in the eyes of the world while the rest of the galaxy is coming up Maybe they're starting to realize, hey, you can't be in control of everything just because you saved us from the Nazis 30 years ago. And yeah, how, how much power is too much power, no matter what you're wheeling it in the name of good or evil type of thing, yeah. Exactly. That could be a good theme to to weave in. And, a lot, uh, Bree. And maybe I'll just uh, let my voice keep going any, even any higher there, Normie. And, uh, you know. Friends become enemies, enemies become friends. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Normie. We could, uh, there was a certain reasoning behind the uh, Nazi empire. <laughs> yeah, Normie, the uh, Nazi swastika was originally a, uh, a symbol that was used for good. So... Hey, phrase, you want to go home and drink a little tea? <laughs> I'll just go ahead and finish this off with a little Cliff Clavenism and start telling you some sort of backstory about something that means nothing. You know, uh, the original helmet for Darth Vader is an interesting story that actually came from the 1921 German helmet. 
Oh, there you go. That That's the Blu-ray documentary behind the scenes thing. You guys have Cliff Clavin walk around the set. <laughs> you know, the lightsaber was originally based on a samurai sword from the 17th century. <laughs> you and your precious trivia napkins. Uh, I think, are we running out of Star Wars story already? Oh, oh I don't know. I, I think we're at a pretty good point with this particular episode. Doesn't mean we won't be back at some point in the future, but... As far as laying out um, kind of some initial thoughts of uh, what we might, where it might go, what we might like to see, um, I think we talked enough about the failings of the prequels to know what we don't want them to turn into. So, um, yeah, I think we're at a pretty good pause here in the conversation. I just really hope that he can nail it and make it fun again. Agreed. <laughs> I, I really do not want to have any negativity going towards this, and I think all of the negativity is really on the shoulders of the prequels and not necessarily on the shoulders of J.J. Abrams. So God help us. I hope it's fun, and I hope it erases the taste of the mouth of episodes one, two, and three. Well, I hope it really gives us, again, kind of a world that we can invest ourselves fully in once more and not, you know, just to gripe about what we would do different or what we would rather see or something like that, but just something that really sucks you in. Or, and to put it a better way for our parlance, I really hope we do not have to do a hindsight as 2020 on episode <laughs> seven after it comes out. There you go. The highest praise we can give. <laughs> we don't have to hindsight we don't you. Want to hindsight this movie. <laughs> I want it to be one of those. I'm like, yeah, what, what the hell do we have to fix there? <laughs> Outside of maybe he fell in love with the George Lucasism of there's too many shots of ships taking off and landing. Uh, Star wipe and we're out. <laughs> I think that's the ender. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. How's this? It helps if I got out and pushed. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Mike! Okay, but... Ah! Oh, yeah? Watch this. Watch what? I think we're in trouble.